This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Hi, welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. This is Arjun, and I've always found that winning is fun, but winning big puts us on the path to big long-term sustained wins. And in that journey, I have incredible opportunity to have conversations with leaders from all walks of life all over the world. And in that spirit, today, I'm really fortunate to have a conversation with Victoria Sound. Victoria, welcome to Secrets to Win Big. Hi, Arjun. Great to be here. So, Victoria, let me just read a little bit of your amazing bio so all of us can appreciate what you have accomplished. And of course, that gives us some early indication of what you're going to accomplish in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Mm. So you are an author, a venture capital investor turned executive coach, a graduate of Yale and Harvard Business School, and was named to list uh, to the list of Forbes 30 under 30 investors. Like if that doesn't make us go, wow, I don't know what does. You have helped companies like Tracelytics, Omni, Raiden, Shine, Parachute Home to successfully establish and grow your brand. You have spoken all over the world and specialize in talks for Fortune 500 and high growth companies that are looking to inspire their people and build a world-class culture. Wow, wow, and wow. (laughs) So I just want to ask this simple question at the very beginning, because what I really liked is you're not just another coach. Not only you're talking about peak performance, but who is encouraging people to live and work not just for profit, but for purpose. That purpose part hit home. Can mm. you tell me a little bit about what inspired you to get there and how do you got there? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, when you list my accomplishments, I just remember the feeling I had, you know, before I found this work, which is that I felt pretty empty despite achieving quite a bit. And it almost felt like the more I achieved, the emptier I felt. And I looked around at my colleagues, my peers, my classmates, you know, from Yale and Harvard and venture capital entrepreneurs, even billionaires, especially those who've achieved wealth and status and success. And it turned out none of us were really that happy. And it kind of felt like this strange phenomenon where I was like, oh, this is strange because there's no pot of gold at the end of this rainbow. Um, And that's what really opened my eyes to this question of purpose and uh, what was missing, you know, from our lives that was making us feel so empty. And that was in 2013 that I had, I call it like an existential awakening where um, it, you know, really left me tossing and turning. Like I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but it really impacted me. Like I remember I was in tears thinking like, how can we go to work and, while our friends and our loved ones are pretty miserable and you know this is how a lot of us are feeling and we're kind of not talking about it and we're just carrying on and so that was the moment that i decided to claim that both for my life and then to really make it a mission to help leaders and visionaries connect deeply and be aligned with their why in the world. Mm -hmm. And that is how I choose who I work with really is to amplify the missions in the world that I want to see exist. So this is brilliant in the sense that 2013, when you had that moment, I look at that to be just like, 
hearing the alarm first thing in the morning for a wake up call. Yeah. It's very easy to press the snooze button. Yeah. Because to me, with your degree and everything else, you were very financially successful. You could have very easily done one of three things. You could have very easily pressed the snooze button and continued. Or you could have very easily made adjustment for your life. But you did number three, which is you helped others find purpose. Mm. So can you take me back to that moment when you were talking about that existential awakening, the tossing and turning that, you know, what made you feel that you wanted to change not only your life, but find help others find purpose? It's so fascinating that you spoke to the alarm because I had a vision board at the time. And from this existential awakening, I commissioned artwork on one of those like 99 design sites where they made an alarm Hmm. and around the alarm were people, you know, working at desks and just doing different things that we all do. And I had the same analogy of like, some people aren't going to hear the alarm. Some people are going to hit snooze, but maybe a few will actually wake up, Hmm. you know, maybe this will click. So I feel like we're already on the same wavelength (laughs) that you use that um, metaphor. And, you know, I think for me, it was realizing that, you know, I feel like I was the product of an overachieving entrepreneurial family that I felt, you know, really because of their own upbringing, really prioritizing making money above even knowing how to be a family. Mm-hmm. And I think I saw the pain of defining our self-worth from outside of us mm-hmm. in how it was showing up in my own family. And I saw it around me and I just saw the impact that that has on our loved ones. Like even those especially closest to us are the ones who bear the burden of that. And so, yeah, I think it was just kind of a surround sound and possible to ignore that, how painful that was. And I really am touched by the word pain that you're talking about, not about you, but about others. And I have to digress. And this was day after 9-11. I had a very successful corporate job. My daughter was eight. We sat together and I asked her the question I ask everybody in the corporate world is, how are we doing? Mm. The answer to that has to be good. Because if you worked with me and you said anything other than good, I don't know what to say. Because, you know, I really do not care about what you say. I just asked that question. And when my amazing eight-year-old said, Dad, not well, we are not doing good. I'm like, I'm doing good. She said, Dad, you don't know me. And, you know, to me, it initially, I didn't get what it feels for a daughter to tell her dad and I was like a goofy man. I even told her, I know your social security number. I know this. And, you know, it took a lot of intervention from her to teach me that I was going on a path where I'll be 70 years old. I get two calls from my daughter, one on birthday and maybe one on Father's Day or Christmas. She may choose. And those would be 30 second calls. Dad, baby, how are you? Good. Good. Okay. Please take care of your health. Okay. And I didn't want to be that person. So I jumped in without knowing. But I, you know, the difference between you and me is I jumped in trying to change my life and be a dad. You, being a more evolved soul, are trying to help purpose. Like, I wish I met you during that time where I had a bigger culture, you know, purpose. I really thank you. At least it's not too late. I'm still learning from you together today. Oh, that's very kind. Well, you sound like an incredible father, and I hope you can be friends with my dad and talk some sense into him. <laughs> so could it could happen. You know, I'll just reflect back some of the wisdom back from you. Mm. So now let me go back to, you know, the second thing that hit home was as you're taking people to this purpose, you have not diluted your impact that you're having. 
in the business world. Okay, you are helping connect financial growth to personal growth. You know, and what you are connecting is both together. So to me, at the end of the day, you know, you are taking me on a path of zero compromise. Mm. I'm winning on all aspects. So how are you connecting the personal growth to help me achieve? the bigger performance growth, financial growth, and everything else. How, how did you connect that? You know, I've seen it with my clients just to give you some of their results. When they prioritize their personal growth, mm-hmm. everything elevates like quantum level. And we're not talking linear, you know, incremental. For instance, one of my clients, George Ruin, who's the CEO of Honey, if you know Honey, co-founder mm-hmm. and CEO of Honey, he... When he started working with me, um, he was driven by his inner critic voice. His discontent was his fuel. He really felt like that was what was motivating him to be great was the fact that he was so hard on himself. And he'd been working seven years towards his idea. Really, it was very hard. Like he said that I worked with him through some of the hardest years of his life. And by connecting him to a new fuel of motivation, so disconnecting from these old toxic fuels of proving something, you know, inner critic voices and connecting him to the fuel of who are you, you know, what matters to you? What is your why? Why is this important in the world, your contribution? And I connected him also to his zone of genius and really figuring out his sweet spot and really delegating anything that wasn't in his sweet spot. Uh, really the love of his work, creating a unifying vision that inspired his, his employees. After working with him for just, I've now worked with him for three years, but after only one year of this work, he unexpectedly got an offer by PayPal to acquire his company for $4 billion. Wow. So he became a billionaire at 40 years old through connecting you know, everything that I just shared. So he's a perfect example of someone who got extraordinary results from prioritizing his personal growth. And to me, you make it sound so easy <laughs> that all I'm just listening and I'm writing it down by saying all I need to do is find out the new fuel of motivation. What is my why? Delegate what is not in my sweet spot, work with you and make $4 billion. <laughs> it's not as easy, but I really like the overall view. And I also love the way you shared this in a simple layman's term with a lot of simple, positive energy. Mm. That makes it very credible in this. So I have to digress and I have to ask you a very different question. What made you this wise? Like, What's an inspiration in your life? Like, How did you become this wise, this high performance mind and wisdom, but take everything into action? Like, I'm seeing these three dimensions blending together, which is very fascinating. Thank you for saying that. How? I feel like, you know how sometimes people say like you have an old soul? Like I think I was told that since I was a kid, even before it really made sense to me. <laughs> and I think I've really been connected to my heart, which I think is really the source of a lot of our truth, even though we're not really encouraged to listen to it. Like we're usually encouraged to listen to our intellect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just from a very young age, I really followed my heart and just followed the wisdom and the inner knowing that I think I've had. Can you share and a story about a young Victoria listening to your heart, like something about your childhood that makes you very proud by saying, you know, that was one of the first times I listened to my heart and see it turned out great. 
Yeah. So, well, I was very creative. So one of my parents are entrepreneurs, as I mentioned, very busy, and I had to find ways to entertain myself. So at a young age, my dad made one of the first internet modems. So I come from like an electrical engineering background family. So there wasn't a lot of toys in this company. There's just like circuit boards. So I didn't have anything to play with. So then I ended up going to the, the bathroom and just like taking toilet paper putting it under the faucet and wetting it and then using it as like clay and molding it. Wow. And so I spent a lot of my time like making little toilet paper animals. Uh, you toilet paper much. You are just creating your own toys. Yeah, I was creating my own toy. And then after, you know, day or a few hours, it would start to dry. The next day I'd come back to their office and then I would take markers and color the animals, you know? So I was always just very imaginative and able to entertain myself no matter what. <laughs> and that was an example. And then kind of a related example is we have to move in the 94 Northridge earthquake because we live in LA. Mm-hmm. And when we moved, I came to a new neighborhood where I didn't know who the kids were in the neighborhood. So I ended up handwriting a note and putting it into everyone's mailbox that said, if you have any kids under 16, meet me at like four o'clock Friday at mm-hmm. my address. <laughs> And then that's how I met my playmates. So then I had probably like seven kids show up strangers on their bikes. And I ended up like for 25 cents, um, they would pay for activities like pie eating contest or water balloon fights. So that was probably my first entrepreneurial endeavor with um, orchestrating play for my neighborhood kids. That's fascinating. And I love that. So there's something you talked about, and uh, let's just take it away from your parents. Let's make mm-hmm. it universal. Sometimes when we become entrepreneurs, we are perceived to be super busy. And sometimes we look at that to be a positive, but sometimes from outside, it is not always a positive. Okay, It could be that I'm not spending time efficiently, or you know, in my case, what I realized was you know, I have 24 hours in a day, so do you. Mm-hmm. I was stealing my time from my daughter. And my wife, and of course, the marriage failed, you know, and I, of course, blamed her. And now I know why it failed. So how can we create this balance of being in control, not look reckless, you know, out of control, busy? Like, what's the way you help people get to outside that busy zone? Hmm. I love your honesty. And I appreciate that. You know, I think culturally, we make it a badge of honor how busy we are, you know? And like you said, how are you? We don't really care. Like we're not really wanting a real answer. And I think a lot of it as, especially as an entrepreneur is learning to disconnect your sense of identity and your sense of self-worth separate from your company. Hmm. And so I think for a lot of us, our first careers are really about like proving something to the world, whether it's we're smart enough, successful enough, you know, creative enough, whatever it is. And our company success then becomes a measure of that to the world. It's like a signaling whether or not we fundraise a lot of money or we get an exit, you know, it becomes defined by that. And so I think the first thing is really to help entrepreneurs disconnect their sense of self-worth mm-hmm. from how much money they have in their bank account, how well their company is performing, who best invested their company. You know, that's the first piece of it. And really coming back to this simplicity, you called it of like, well, okay, if I'm not trying to prove something, then what am I doing here? Oh, okay. The second phase that we go into professionally is realizing we do matter. We are, we do have our gifts and our unique zone of genius and our unique talents. You know, there's something worthy and valuable about who we are naturally are. We don't have to strive anymore. 
And then even the third phase after we realize we do matter is we want to work on something that matters. And that's usually where entrepreneurs find me. There's definitely a level of like they're very ripe for this work because they've spent a lot of time in stage one. They've spent some time in stage two and they're starting to realize what I realized when I had my existential awakening, which was I need to figure out to work on something that actually matters in the world. You know, this can't be about me anymore. This needs to be about contribution and impact. And a lot of them are thinking about legacy. You know, what do I, what am I really here for? What is my life about? And I choose to only work with entrepreneurs who are at that phase where they're ready to awaken to that as a priority for them. And to me, I love the way you broke it into the three, because I think the first part is such a slippery slope. And, you know, when I quit from the corporate world, my big awakening came when I was calling people, nobody responded to my calls anymore. Mm. And then I realized that earlier on my birthday, 60 people in my team would get me this amazing strawberry cake. Apparently, that's what I liked. I never know how it came there. (laughs) Most of them cared about the person holding the position, not Arjun. And it's not their fault. It's my fault. Like I never created those connections with those individuals. And that was such a humbling experience to realize that the personal equity I had built using my title, Mm. once it was gone, like once I didn't have the business card in my mind, in my hand, it was gone. So I was building this fake equity. And I love what you're talking about is how you went into from there is it's not about proving to the world we matter and then contribution matter. Like the steps you're taking me through, I think it's like, I have to be honest to me, this feels like I'm on the Oprah Winfrey show or somewhere (laughs) listening to you because you are at that level, you know, your book and everything should be featured at that. And I'm really fortunate Mm -hmm. to have this conversation. Thank you. So I want to ask you like, Anybody in your family or anybody who has been an early inspiration to you in this journey forward? I have a lot. I mean, you know, I, I learned a lot from seeing how hard my parents work. Like they definitely are an inspiration for both the things I love and the things I wanted to evolve and upgrade, you know, from seeing how they lived. And um, I've hired over 24 coaches myself. So I've gotten a lot of support, a lot of mentorship, a lot of teachers, I'm a student of life. Like I feel like I get my greatest lessons the old-fashioned way, just from life, you know. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I would say that there's been inspiration of you know people like Steve Jobs, but then also today, I think with where my head is at, I'm really looking to people who have, um, as you're speaking to, like a holistic viewpoint of success. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the visionary or the brilliant-minded human; it's also the someone who values their relationship and prioritizes their marriage or their family life or having the balance of happiness and joy and fulfillment that we're speaking of. And there's tons of successful people out there, but you don't want to do it at what cost, you know? So now when I look for mentors and inspiration, it really needs to feel like you are valuing everything across the board. Like I'm inspired by all areas of your life. I'm just somewhat speechless, but I'm still <laughs> trying to ask you some questions. Okay. <laughs> So the first place I want to go is the whole contribution. And after my awakening, 
anytime I get a chance, I try to introduce myself as a father first. Okay? Mm. Because to me, I really feel that that's my identity. Like if there's one badge of honor I have is a dad who tries. Okay, oh. My daughter will tell me, tell you always, if you guys have a heart to heart, that would be a scary conversation. Of course, <laughs> is how goofy your dad, her dad is, but it's about being present. Okay? Mm. Now, you know, the second thing I also see that in the business world, initially people used to stay on a one dimension on what makes more money. From there, we went into a two dimension at the intersection of what makes more money and what I'm passionate about. Mm. But when I'm listening to you, you are one of those rare people who are on a 3D world where the third dimension is what can I do to make an impact on others? Okay? Mm. Because to me, I really feel that is such a big takeaway for me from this conversation is, yes, you have to play where you make money. Because mm. tomorrow I can't be a heart surgeon because I don't, I'm not trained, no skills there. But whatever I choose, I need to be passionate, but more important, having an impact as we start going forward. So you talked about success. Okay? And you also talked about how you have used and have taken, you know, you have hired or, you know, in your life, you have had 20 plus coaches, mentors. You know, athletes I worked with have taught me only the best constantly invest in getting better. So can you tell me a little bit about, you know, you being so evolved already, what was the need for the coach? And why should everyone, whether you hire or find a mentor, should always use that to get better? Mm, that's a great question. I think the first thing is we all have blind spots. Mm-hmm. And the more willing we are to acknowledge and be honest with ourselves, the more clearly we can see our own blind spots. <laughs> you know, it's it's when we're afraid um, of the shame around being imperfect that these things stay in our shadow. Mm-hmm. So I think the first point is, learning to have that self-acceptance so you can see your blind spots more clearly and have someone that you trust who is holding you with both faith and fire. So we talked about how you want to be working with someone who tells you the truth that maybe no one else is telling you, holds you in the highest vision of yourself, but also is willing to support you with that fire of holding your feet to the fire and being like, I accept you where you are. And I expect more, you know, like you can do more. And I think that that's a really important combination because some people come to self-development work because they feel broken because they feel unfixed or unwhole. And then they, they can get stuck and go down a rabbit hole where they feel like they're not fixed yet. And that's a really unhealthy motivation as we were talking about, um, of approaching this work. But if you're coming at it from a place of feeling whole, worthy, you know, worthy enough as is, and you value growth and you want to always improve and you feel like you want to continue to grow, that's a different energy from which to approach this work. And so for me, when I first found this work, I actually wasn't looking for a coach. It's funny how the universe, you know, gets you what you need, not what you want. Um, When I asked for a coach, I asked for a, someone who can help me with my presentation skills. So I asked like my McKinsey BCG friends, like, you know, you guys give a lot of presentations to Fortune 500 companies. Can you um, recommend one of the speaking coaches you work with? And one of my friends introduced me to someone who she said, you know, I don't have a speaking coach, but I have a life coach. And I talked to this life coach and I asked her, can you help me improve my speaking? And she said, 
Sure. You know, once you become more confident and more empowered, it will naturally show up in your speaking. So I was sold and I started. Um, and then that was in 2013. And ever since I've hired over 24 coaches. So as you can see, I've become like a power user. Sometimes I have three or four at a time and they are for all areas of my life. Like I've hired, um, you know, health coaches, financial coaches, business coaches, life coaches, energetic healers, spiritual shamans. And, you know, my book, Bending Reality, How to Make the Impossible Probable is really a curation of the very best techniques that I have gathered and practiced and tested with these elite performers in tech, in finance, in leadership, really, you know, everyone from billionaires to scientists to artists, and it works for everyone. So that is why I wrote the book was really to bring the very best techniques. I'm personally modality agnostic. So I share whatever is required to get my clients to their next level. Um, and so, yeah, that's the inspiration for the book as well. So that was my next question about the book. Yeah. But to me, you know, thank you for sharing the vision behind the book. What has been one of the best compliments that you have reached, received from somebody who read the book that mm. made you feel like, wow, I'm so glad I did it? I know this is a funny thing to say, and I don't know it's it's going to sell books to say it here, but almost everyone who read it said that after they like had, they put it down, they like cried for like a day. <laughs> um, and I know that that's like, maybe your readers and listeners are like, why would I want to read a book to make me cry? But for me, that was a sign of like, wow, like you, this really moved you, you know, like some of the concepts we're talking about here, like they finally let themselves feel and acknowledge the things that maybe they were distracting from or avoiding or unwilling to face. And through reading the book, they felt finally like they gave themselves permission to really see and acknowledge all the things they've been hiding from themselves. So that was really impactful. And then maybe something that is a better sell for the book I'll share is that uh, one of my clients, Ryan Hudson, he said something like, as Victoria has done so well in every coaching session, she's able to take very complex concepts and distill them down where it almost feels obvious once you have it shown to you. So it's like, once it's presented to you, it's like, you'll never forget it because it's so simple and obvious, but it feels complicated until you have that meta framework presented. And to me, I think that's an extension of this conversation is the simplicity with which you are connecting the dots and communicating complex concepts. And let's just finish with the book. Tell me a little bit about the book. And of course, you know, it's available everywhere. Just let's do a little promo about the book, the title one more time, and where can they find it? Mm, yeah, it's called Bending Reality, How to Make the Impossible Probable. Mm -hmm. And I teach um, all the things that I share with my clients. So you're going to get like years worth of coaching work um, in the pages of this book. And I give you every tool and every technique that has ever been effective curated across. So you don't have to work with 24 coaches yourself. So it's really um, beautiful if you want something that shows you what's simple, but not easy through the book. And you can find it on my website, www.victoriasong.me uh, forward slash bending hyphen reality. And I send you to my website because I'm giving all sorts of bonuses for pre-ordering the book now. So you can find immediately free coaching techniques that will help you bend reality now. So the book is not available yet. Yeah. So it is officially released August 24th. And right now I'm working, I'm talking to people and offering a lot of awesome. free gifts. Okay. 
So share, you know, to me, because this is your favorite podcast, I'm just joking. So <laughs> give us one tool from the book that would really help people. But don't give us the tool that makes us cry. Okay, just yeah. <laughs> That is funny. Um, let's see. So one of the tools that I offer is three-part breath work. Are you familiar with circular breath work? No. Okay. So it's actually something really easy. I'll, sh- I'll demo it here in just 30 seconds, but you can do this for 15 minutes on your own. So one of the things about my clients is that they're very intellectual. So they tend to live more in their head. Their minds are very busy, which means that meditation is almost like they would just, they would describe it as like unreachable for their state. Like they would say, I try for five minutes and then I move on. Meditation is way too difficult for stilling their mind. So I give them this active version to get them to similar states, but through their breath. And so it's very simple. If you put one hand on your stomach and one hand on your chest and it's all through your mouth. So you breathe into your belly and then into your chest and then release. So So that's all it is. It's super simple. Yeah. And I could do it. I know. So the cool thing about this is that people get to altered states of consciousness where they feel like they took a psychedelic, like they Mm -hmm. feel like they've gone somewhere else. They get incredible downloads of creative ideas, insights, strategies, like people get their best ideas after doing this. So if you continue breathing like this for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you will get to a different state and it's super simple. (laughs) So now I need to ask you a very tough question. With all your wisdom, if you could go back and meet the Victoria just graduating from high school, what would be one piece of amazing advice you will give that kiddo? Mm. I know you probably can't tell from you know just our conversation today, but I think I would want to remind her to not let other people, what other people think, affect her so much. You know, I think I would just want her to know that it all works out beyond her wildest imagination mm-hmm. and just to, yeah, not dim her light for fear of what people might think, what people might say, you know, um, I, I've always been a big dreamer and being a big dreamer sometimes can trigger people's like, who do you think you are kind of energy. Um, and I think I would have just wanted to remind her, you know, don't dim your light, keep dreaming, keep shining, yeah, that would be my advice. So to me, in this conversation already, I have three titles of three new books for you. <laughs> One is Don't Dim Your Lights. Mm. Second is Find New Fuels of Motivation. And third is What is Your Blind Spot? Again, I'm plagiarizing all these two statements <laughs> you made because they resonated with me. Mm. You know, I just want to ask a simple process question because I feel somebody like you with so much of thoughts to be productive, there has to be a process because success without a plan or a process cannot be repeated. So is there something you're comfortable sharing where when you wake up in the morning, start with your work day, what's the first thing that you do? And when you're wrapping up your work day, what's the last thing that you do that you're comfortable sharing? Absolutely. Yeah. I really believe with every ritual or practice to not hold it tightly like a prescription, you know, so to be mm-hmm. light and to switch it up when it doesn't serve you anymore. Um, but one of the things that I find very helpful is that I picture how I want something to go. Hmm. So I think um, sometimes we're stuck in the circumstance, you know, and then we can feel unhappy if the circumstance isn't going the way we want. 
And so I tried to elevate to the level of, well, what's the vision that I have for how this unfolds? Maybe right now I don't like the circumstance, but what would I like to happen? Mm-hmm. And I really hold that vision. You can call it an intention or a vision or a visualization, but I just imagine it all working out better than I could have imagined. And then I take action from there. So that's one of the first things I would say. Another key element that I think gives you the best ROI and is so simple is gratitude. And I know it's one of those things that feels a little kumbaya, you know, for someone who's never done a gratitude practice, but truly, if you want the highest ROI on your time, say like three things you're grateful for, you can speak them out loud. You can write them down. But again, this is about getting into your peak physical state. So something I cover in the book is uh, the state of expansion. When we feel like confident and inspired and our like bodies feel grounded and our chest feels gratitude puts you into the state of expansion. And when we're in this state, ideas flow, everything you you're like tapped into the synchronicity of life. Um, so I really think anything that gets you into the state of expansion. So for you, it's really doing anything that's a 10 for you. So if hanging out with your daughter puts you in that heart space, spend time on that. Mm-hmm. You know, if listening to music puts you there, do that. So I think that's actually the most important takeaway. It's no recipe. It's about understanding almost if you were like a combination code, you know, like lockers, you have to turn through different numbers. You just have to figure out what's your combination code that gets you to that peak optimal physical state from which you want to be taking actions from. Wow. Of course, we found the fourth title of a book, <laughs> Combination Code. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> love that. So let me put you on the spot. What are three things you're grateful about, grateful for at this instant? I am really grateful for my clients. I like just feel like I could cry, but I feel so honored. I think it's one of the greatest privileges to be let into someone's inner heart and mind. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I just feel so honored to get to do that with the clients that I work with. And I think the second thing that I feel is I feel really grateful for the support that I have around me. You know, like for instance, Esther booking this with you and people are helping me with my website, building the the website right now and working my um, Simon and Schuster is distributing the book and, you know, just a great publisher. So I just feel like reminding myself that I'm very supported and I'm not alone is something that I'm really grateful for. And then I'd say the third thing is my partner. I just got engaged on Christmas. Uh, Thank you. And um, thank you. I'm, I'm just so lucky to have found someone who really meets me and kind of to your point, like knows how to be present with me and really see me and hear me and just um, such an emotional support and someone who's also, I feel like, very evolved and prioritizing growth. Um, I just feel very, we're very aligned in our values. Um, let's let's just even name because you cannot just say partner and not give yeah. <laughs> a shout out is required. Yeah, James Darty. Um, mm-hmm. He's the first time I'm getting to shout him out in any of my interviews. So thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's he's really a remarkable human, and I think our relationship is probably one of the biggest containers of my growth. You know, as much as I've gotten to succeed professionally, I think the thing I'm most proud of is our relationship. I love that. And, you know, to me, all through, you have been high energy during this conversation. But the moment you started talking about James, the energy changed a little bit. There was a much deeper. And to me, I think, you know, the reason I'm talking about, I'm not trivializing. I really feel that when you go back to that happy spot, that is such a core of you. That's foundational. Mm. And going there always, like for each one of us, there are those spots. Like to me, my daughter is one. Okay. Mm. 
Raka, my wife Chitra, amazing, amazing, simple human being with the cutest and the best smile I've ever seen. Okay? <laughs> and, you know, to me, I just feel like to me, anytime tough times, if I just go back, I know at the end of the day, my daughter is in UPenn, she'll always call and I can always FaceTime and my wife is always there with the cutest smile. Life is good. Like there's nothing to worry about. So to me, I think, you know, you talking about James really took me back to my wife, Chitra, and I really am happy for both of you and wish you the very best in life ahead. So before we wrap up, you know, what are anything else that we haven't talked about you want to share with us all? Mm, I think it's important for the listeners to just know that there is a way to reach your personal peak without burning out. Mm-hmm. There is a way to be financially wealthy without sacrificing your personal life. You know, there, in fact, it amplifies everything. You know, I think I just want to highlight to everyone that doing what you love, giving yourself permission to play, giving yourself permission to do the things that warm your heart and that feel good, mm-hmm. actually make you more successful, actually make you wealthier, actually make you, you know, all the things that you want that you're not currently, you know, realizing is accessible to you when you tune into these states of expansion. Brilliant. So final question. The year is 2030. You and I are having our fourth or 10th conversation. Mm -hmm. Where would Victoria be? Um, Geographically and life personally. (laughs) Geographically, you can be anywhere. You're on the planet. So I'm not, I just know you'll be working with clients all over the world. And mm-hmm. you and James will be happily living somewhere where both of you would love to, but in life. Yeah. So in 10 years, I would imagine that I have, I mean, honestly, I feel like it would be just more of what I'm doing now, you know, but I'm also very open to what life brings me like this new book, Bending Reality, How to Make the Impossible Probable. It's the first time that I've done any marketing, you know, and so I have no idea what's going to happen once the book comes out, you know, like who knows, maybe no one will read it. I hope everyone will read it, but um, I just, I'm really open to the possibility of what this next level of just visibility of putting myself out there might bring. Mm -hmm. And um, I hope I get to find more people who have, you know, influence power platform to make a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So whether those are business leaders or um, political leaders or even celebrities in media, just really working with the humans who are steering humanity onto its highest destiny. And so getting to work with more of those individuals. Yeah. And then I think enjoying my life because I think we're here to serve and we're here to enjoy our lives and, you know, getting to do both even more. Love that. So I'll just pass on one piece of advice I received. This is not my advice. Okay. So when I wrote a book called Raising a Father, initially the book was called Raising a Daughter. I was a single dad those days, but then I realized who raised who. (laughs) I've had a two-hour presentation of the branding and the marketing of the book. My amazing daughter, she was 16 that time. She gave me a hug and said, Dad, are we hurting for money? I'm like, not really. She said, then why are you trying so hard? And I just got a little upset. I said, baby, you cannot poo-poo a plan of mine without giving me a better plan. Because in a business world, that's the worst thing you can do. At least I had a plan. Absolutely. And she said, Dad, I have a plan. I said, okay. She said, what? She said, your plan should be that. Touch one more person. That's it. Absolutely. And me being not that smart, you know by now in the conversation, of course, I had to ask her by saying, what happens when you touch one more person? She said, Dad, you touch one more. Okay? And what I realized was, 
once the book was done, I had to appreciate one connection at a time. And, you know, just to brag for a second, the book reached people at the highest level. I got phone calls from President Bill Clinton, late Senator John McCain. Like to me, and they connected with me as dads. Wow. Not as superhuman beings. And the whole journey, again, I would pass that to you, Wisdom, because that Raka gave to me is you have written this amazing book. It'll do amazing. But just enjoy every connection, please, because every person who gets the book will be fortunate and it'll be an amazing journey. Mm. So I can just like, it has to be you are amazing and this is an amazing journey. So I really want to thank you for taking the time. This is such a fascinating conversation. I don't know how to summarize this other than you are showing all of us that we really must believe in our true potential. And we need to either talk to you or somebody maybe half as cool as you to help us look at what are the barriers that stops us from success. Like it's not that any one of us were born with not super potential. The potential is always there. Mm-hmm. It's what we are doing to get distracted and what are the barriers once you remove, as you talked about with the CEO for the company, Honey, is how easy it is. So again, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. This is such a fascinating conversation. I'll cherish and remember this forever. Thank mm. you. Thank you, Arjun. Thank you all. And again, there's a smirk on my face because I'm the luckiest person on this planet because I get to have the best seat to have this amazing conversation. Thank you all for listening. Happy listening. And it would be truly an honor and a pleasure to bring you another conversation in Secrets to Win Big. Thank you again, Victoria. Thank you so much. Loved being here. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.